You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1151 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And today's podcast is brought to you by the folks at Truebill. Truebill is a new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't want or that you don't need. And it can even help you negotiate better deals on those that you want to keep. Today's podcast was not necessarily supposed to happen. As I said at the end of the podcast last night for the diehards that listened all the way to the end of our Monday night recap deep into the evening. Um, I was not planning on recording in between Monday's game and Wednesday's game for the Hawks. But... Some big news, at least relatively speaking, from Travis Schlenk, um, who said a lot of things that were interesting on the radio on Tuesday morning that made some national news even. Um, we'll get into all of that in a moment, as well as some defensive breakdowns and some analysis and look at the numbers there, because that was the big, at least one of the big topics that he covered on his um, pretty candid remarks on the radio. And then we'll end up this podcast with a look ahead briefly to the Hawks-Kings game. Might be kind of a, a shorter podcast in between games here, but hopefully uh, you will appreciate the news catch-up. And I think I was kind of prompted and spurred into a recording because of what Travis had to say on the radio. Um, it would be nice if I could just play the audio for you of this, but it's obviously uh, not mine to play. Um, I will say it is it is widely available on 929 The Game, which is the flagship home of the Hawks on the radio side in Atlanta. Travis, for a long time now, has done a weekly radio spot on Tuesday morning on that station. And uh, in the past... I've got to poke some fun at him uh, at times for this, but he's had some injury updates that were not exactly uh, spot on always. It's important to remember that he's not the um, you know the head medical person, etc. He's kind of just I, I would say I admire this about him to be fr- to be frank. Um, he is willing to say things that a lot of GMs or presidents presidents of basketball operations would not say. That's been the case for a long time. Travis is a uh, sort of a fun guy to talk to. Um, I'm not like you know best friends with him or anything like that, but even, you know, on on the record, off the record, Travis is a good guy to talk to. I've enjoyed um, my conversations with him. He's been on this podcast a long time ago as well. But all that said, um, he has made some news with comments on this radio hit before. With that said, um, you know, actually last week even, he had some comments that were fairly pointed that I referenced in passing on this podcast about the defense, and he was frustrated by that, etc. But um, honestly, he did not hold back really at all. On this one on Tuesday morning, this is again on January 4th in the morning if you're looking for the audio. And I also tweeted about this with the link. Um, you can find that on my, on my Twitter feed at BT Roland. But um, all that said, he talked about a lot of stuff. It's like a 10-minute um, visit. Um, you know, Lots of ground to be covered. I'm going to read some quotes and give you some analysis of what I think he's saying and I'm reacting to. But my overall takeaway, honestly, is that Travis was extremely candid you could tell uh, he even said it as much on the radio hit, but he was definitely frustrated. I'm not sure. I mean, it was early in the morning as well. I'm not sure if that was contrib- contributing to it at all. Um, I'm not sure if, if Hawks PR would have loved all this stuff that he said. But listen, uh, Travis is their boss, so there you go. Um, we'll start here with some stuff about the, about the defense. So I'm going to just read some quotes to you. First, quote from Travis. There is a belief that we can score, but right now there's no sense of urgency to make a stop. There's no sense of accountability that I'm going to stop my guy or as a team we're going to make the effort. It's just not there. You guys watch the games. Somebody gets scored on, they go down on the other end, and it doesn't bother them. So I guess I should hope it's a switch so we can flip, but I don't know at this point. End quote. 
Um, also, Travis referenced the definition of insanity being the same thing uh, happening over and over again, expecting different results. That's a pretty um, you know cliche reference, but still one that's kind of appropriate with the way the Hawks have been defending this season. He also said, I'm, I'm going to quote some more now from Travis, We've seen this group have success, and to see the group not make the necessary effort plays it takes to win an NBA game, it just becomes frustrating. Because as you said, we all know that we're the second-best offensive team in the NBA right now, and I don't know what our defensive rating is now. I haven't even looked. But every team we play goes out and gets 130. The common denominator in that is us. And we have to look in the mirror, and we have to come to the reality that it's us. End quote. So, uh, that's pretty candid. Obviously, there's some frustration in there, and the Hawks have been losing and giving up a lot of points, and it's not breaking news to anybody that, that the defense has been the primary issue. We'll get into a lot of this stuff more in a second with some analysis and some some numbers for you. But um, he's both extremely candid here and also, I think, expressing what a lot of the fan base um, has been saying as well. I'm sure what the team has been saying and um, coaches and players, all that stuff. So not out of the ordinary, but certainly more pointed than a uh, president of basketball operations would normally be in a public forum. Okay, moving on from there to some other topics and with regard to kind of, like, you know, just beyond the defense and into, like, player personnel. Not No names were used. That's definitely crucial to point out. There's been some speculation about what the takeaways are, but Travis did not say anybody's name on the entire interview, I don't think, about the uh, rant that he was kind of on. But we'll go on here uh, with some headliners. So the next, next set of quotes, I tweeted a little bit about this, but uh, here's what Travis had to say about the, uh, the team overall. It's a hard pill to swallow when your team's not playing as well as you think it should. Maybe I need to lower my expectations for this team. Ultimately, all of this falls on my shoulders. I put this group together, and they're not responding. So we need to take a deep look into this for sure. End quote. One more here. Quote from Travis. We are seeing the same thing every game. Again, last night we have the league going into the fourth quarter. Then we can't keep it. That's not like a broken record here, but it's the same thing every game. Again, ultimately, this all falls on me. We've got to take a long look at this and see if this group is the group that we saw last year in the second half of the season, or if it's the group that we're seeing this year. And that's what we have to determine. We have to make adjustments off those. Obviously, you can tell I'm a little bit frustrated, end quote. So uh, that's a little bit of a shot across the bow, saying that, you know, lowering expectations that he has for the team, um, that's, you know, kind of standard otherwise, you know, not playing as well as they should. No one's thrilled with the record. That's not breaking news. And the performances that the Hawks have been having, there's context, but, you know, this is Travis. He can say he, he, he built the team, so he takes responsibility. In fact, he said later on, and I'm quoting again now, I have to accept the responsibility that maybe it wasn't such a great idea to bring everybody back. That's on me. One more time, he said, maybe it wasn't such a great idea to bring everybody back. That's on me, end quote. That is very, very candid, I'll just say. Um, he talked about there are only three ways that an NBA team can kind of change its roster in sweeping form, and obviously those are the draft, free agency, and also uh, via trade. And then he kind of put the focus on the deadline that's coming up in February because he talked about the trade deadline, and that's kind of the way they shake things up. Some more quotes here, um, and quoting now from Travis, we have a few, a few weeks before the trade deadline here, and this is what I need to figure out. It's my responsibility to put a product on the floor that can win, and right now I'm not sure I have done that. And then he was asked, by the host on 92.9, if they'd be active at the deadline, and Schleich said that he doesn't think that there's, quote, any reason for us not to be at this point, end quote. He said he wouldn't be doing his job if he took a stand in the sand and said that things are just going well as they are. That is definitely the case. Um, it has to be noted, though, that every GM and player personnel head is going to be making calls in the next month or so around the league and looking at tweets for the deadline, but still, these are comments that I would describe as out of the ordinary. It's not completely off the rails. Uh, Travis is definitely frustrated, and uh, again, I would encourage everybody to listen to these comments directly from him. I just can't play the audio for it it's not my audio. But um, yeah, it was noteworthy to me. And I, I got people reaching out to me from around the league when they saw either what I tweeted or what the quotes were, if they, if they heard the interview. 
and people were surprised. Not, you know, utterly shocked, because Travis has a, has a reputation of kind of saying what he thinks, but um, he definitely said a lot. That um, was pretty candid and frustrated and expressed some, uh, some real consternation, is the way I would say. Does this make, I mean, people kind of speculate on this. Does this mean he's definitely making trades? I would say no. Um, at the same time, are the Hawks positioned to make trades if they want to? Yes. Are the Hawks thrilled with the roster um, right now, the way that it's playing? No. Um, Tony Ressler still makes the uh, final say on things. You know, Travis is in charge, but Tony's still the owner. Um, that matters too. So a lot's going to depend on how they play in the next month before the deadline. But, um, you know, it's, it certainly does not make me seem uh, to think that, like, Travis is going to sit back and do nothing here. Um, if they start playing better, maybe he will, but they do have malleable pieces and they can make moves in the future, but I'm not going to go quite as far. People are asking me like, does this mean Travis definitely making, definitely making trades? I would say no. Um, does it make me think a little bit more that they might be more, more likely and willing to do so? Potentially, but I'm not going to go as far as to say this is like definitely going to be telling you anything definitively. Um, <laughs> last thing here uh, from Travis is that, you know, he actually, the one update he gave beyond the uh, kind of rant that he was on was that DeAndre Hunter is moving forward in his rehab. Next step for DeAndre is to play three-on-three, three, according to Travis, and then five-on-five five eventually after that. The quote from Travis was, to put an exact, an exact timeline on it, I can't necessarily do that. We hope it's sooner rather than later, end quote. Uh, this is me talking now, but Hunter's, Hunter, when he went down, had the wrist surgery. They announced that a projected eight-week timetable I want to stress that all of those projections are always approximate and very fluid, as I always, always say. Um, but if you're looking at the calendar for eight weeks, people are like, why isn't Hunter back already? It's because, well, number one, he was just not ready yet. But the eight-week mark, if you want to go completely literally, is Sunday, this coming Sunday. Um, I don't think that he's going to be playing by then, given the fact that Travis has said he's not played three-on-three three yet. Uh, normally, you're going to need at least another week, maybe two weeks after a guy gets to that point before he's in an actual NBA NBA game. It's a little bit different now with a wrist and that he's been able to at least train and do his cardio stuff, and I think he'll be at least in good shape. But we'll have to see. He is shooting now. That's a good, that's a good sign. But um, if I'm going to guess, I'm going to say he's not going to be back before the end of the road trip, and that will kind of take you beyond the eight-week mark. But... That's where we are at this point in time. Okay, so broadly speaking, before we move on to the next topic, I think that Travis um, made some waves here. I think people might be going a little bit too far with the takeaways from it, but uh, he's clearly exasperated. Everyone is around the team, and you know, you definitely see why. I've been talking about it on the podcast a lot. And uh, after this break, we'll get into uh, the defense and kind of what he is probably frustrated by and the numbers, because i got a lot of questions about that. So we'll answer them in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today, and the first of which is Truebill. Do you know why free trials are new without your consent? It's a business scam that's out to get you. Don't let corporate greed pocket your money. Instead, download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, don't want, or simply forgot about. On average, people can save up to $720 a year with Truebill, and because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts, and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Your Truebill concierge is there right with you when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. And Truebill is awesome for someone like me who has a ton of subscriptions across the landscape. Sports makes it so I have to keep a wide swath of information. It's really, really valuable to have Truebill to make sure that I don't get bamboozled. Truebill has over 2 million users and it's helped them save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands per year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, so this is kind of a mailbag segment, but it's also 
basically one question that I got in various forms. So I'm not going to uh, answer a ton of them individually. Uh, maybe if I get to uh, the end of the podcast, and I, have, I do have a couple more that I can get to if I need to. But um, essentially after, uh, I would say before, during, and after the Travis Schlenk comments, dating back to last night, etc. I got a bunch of questions about the defense. What's wrong with it? How bad is it? Is it fixable? All kinds of questions like that. So I have touched on the defense, broadly speaking, a couple times the last couple of weeks um, in the middle of game breakdowns, etc. But I would take a second here on this segment and kind of just talk about all of the ugly numbers, why it's happening the way it's happened, and uh, give some context here. Because again, you know, Travis, a lot of the rants, I would say most of the talks that he gave on Tuesday was geared toward the defense. It was, he questioned their effort. That's interesting to me. Um, I don't think it's been an effort issue most of the time. There have been some effort, effort, effort issues before. I think that in general, there's this notion that effort is all you need on defense. And that might be true at, level, at lower levels. I think that effort is something that you have to have. That is definitely true. But NBA defense is about a lot more than effort. There's this notion, again, that like defense is all about effort. And that is you know kind of true and that you have to have it. But execution, physicality, size, it's just its a different game in the NBA. You have to be do a lot more than just play hard, and that's worth considering as well. So, um, entering Tuesday as I record this, um, the Hawks are 27th in the NBA in defensive rating. They're allowing 113 points per 100 possessions. Um, it's actually worse than that if you remove garbage time. Cleaning the glass does that. It's a great service, by the way. Cleaning the glass has the Hawks at number 28 in the NBA in defensive rating. That's third worst in the league, giving up about 114.2 Points per possessions. That is terrible. Um, 25th in the NBA in half-court defense on a per-possession basis. Dead last. Yes, dead last. 30th in the league in transition defense in terms of points allowed per possession in transition. That is uh, remarkably bad, obviously. Um, they're also dead last in turnover creation. And to be fair... Last year, when they were you know league average on defense, basically for the whole, for the whole season, they were still terrible and turning over to other teams. This is a team that is not built to commit to create turnovers. So even even at the best of this defense, it's not going to be the Hawks creating turnovers on a nightly basis. They really only have one like playmaker defensively, and that's Cam Reddish. When he's going right, is definitely a playmaker defensively. But even guys like Collins and Capella, they can block some shots at Kongwu as well. They're other than block shots, they're not really doing a whole lot to like turn teams over. And then the Hawks, you know, other guys are more like solid-ish guys in terms of like just positioning. They're not gonna do all that. So I think that that is a concern, but the Hawks are never gonna be great in turning over to other teams, obviously. Um, but they're 25th in the NBA in shooting percentage allowed in terms of um, EFG, basically the overall shooting percentage allowed to the opposition is very bad. Um, they're allowing far too many shots at the rim and from three on a statistical basis. So what you want to do as a defense is uh, force teams into mid-range shots and wall off the rim and at least contest threes. And the Hawks are not really doing that at an optimal level. They are forcing a decent amount of long of long mid-range shots, but um, still I think the, uh, the numbers are not terribly friendly. There's a shot profile allowed. Um, if anything, they are benefiting a little bit actually from – Team shooting below what what you would expect on uh, corner threes this season. Now there's some other noise elsewhere, so I think it probably it probably comes out in the wash. But the profile is not good on paper as much as it isn't on tape as well. The stats don't lie, and uh, they're backing up what we're all seeing with our eyes and on the scoreboard. And the Hawks are struggling defensively. Now they do have two strengths defensively, and that is defensive rebounding and free throw prevention. They're in the top ten in the NBA in both categories. 
That was kind of the case last year as well. They are good at not fouling. That's a Nate staple. Um, they back to Indiana and other places. And then defensive rebounding, when you have Click Capella and John Collins and you're playing two bigs, at least you know one full big and the other guy is more of a combo big, but that helps you on the, on the glass. And the Hawks, at least when they have their guys, have been good on the defensive glass. And they still would be. Click Capella is, if nothing else, even if you are someone who I've been pushing back against with Capella, I think everyone can agree that he is an elite rebounder. He's probably the best rebounder in the league. He's one of the best five for sure. Led the league last year, is a monster on the glass. So that definitely helps you, and that kind of provides some of that baseline. But still, defensively, it's kind of a mess. So um, I've done this before, but in the spirit of some questions that I've gotten the last couple of days, I'm going to do it again and kind of give you my broad rundown of the defense and the issues and what's not a problem and what is a problem. So there is no single problem with the defense. I think I have to kind of go down uh, the list in sort of degrees and various um, ways to look at this. I would say some of this, I want to stress, some of this, maybe a small part, but at least some of it, can be attributed to injuries. Particularly with Hunter missing a bunch of time and even Kongwu behind uh, Capella. Those two guys, uh, in particular Hunter, missing a large portion of the season has been huge for the defense in a bad way. Hunter is their best defender on the perimeter in terms of the wings. That's a big loss. Then you can go a little bit toward the COVID absences. The Hawks have some, some more noise than most teams do for like the last couple of weeks because they've had some really, really bad lineups, some really mismatched groups where they were just kind of you know lost in terms of transition stuff, and uh, that kind of tweaks the numbers a little bit in the negative form. So the, how much that affects everything is up to you to decide in your own brain. I think it matters, but also doesn't change everything for Atlanta. So if you make that in a little bit, though, I think that it's very, very clear, both in the numbers and in watching every possession of the season, as I have multiple times, that perimeter defense is the single biggest roster and performance issue for the Hawks this season. Again, perimeter defense is the single biggest issue for Atlanta this year. Um, you talk about offense with Trey Young off the floor, that's a huge issue as well. I'm not saying it's the only issue. I want to stress that. I'm not saying it's the only issue, but the single biggest issue by a wide margin in my mind and on paper, and in the stats, and on film, is perimeter defense for the Hawks. If you look at it this way, the Hawks have been without Hunter for most of the season. That hurts a lot of that. If you go player by player, though, I think the only guy on the roster this season on the perimeter that I would say has even been like at their normal level or their projected or acceptable level defensively is DeLon Wright. And DeLon Wright is not playing a ton. Like he's been playing more recently, but he can't be the linchpin of your perimeter defense. He's a good defender. He's not like a game-changing defender. He's not, he's not Marcus Smart. He's not going change to the, change the game for you. If you, go, if you go down like player per player here, Lou Williams has been bad for a very long time, and this year he's been even worse. I think he's been like truly one of the worst defenders in the league this year. He's been that bad. Trey Young is not a good defender. We all kind of know that. And this year I think he's been a little bit worse than I anticipated him being Obviously, he's been incredible on offense. I talked about this last night. I would have him first-team All-NBA, so this is not a criticism of Troy Young. But defensively, he's been worse than I expected this year. Bogdan Bogdanovich has missed time, and he's also been, I think, like noticeably bad defensively. And that has really mattered. I think he's taken a wild step back from like league average or maybe even a little bit better than that to this year he's been very, very bad defensively. Uh, Kevin Herter and Cam Reddish are both better than the guys like Bogdanovich and Young and Lou. But I think neither one of those guys is playing up to their capabilities defensively either. I think especially Cam has not been the kind of guy that he has been in the past defensively. Herter, um, you know, even on his best day, is more of a solid defender than a game changer. But they need both Herter and Reddish to be better defensively as well. So that is five guys on the perimeter, and you know, without Hunter, that's 
your most prominent five, or at least four of your most prominent five, plus whatever you think about Lou and DeLon, that explains a lot of the perimeter defensive issues when all of those guys are below their, below their normal baseline. That definitely hurts you. Then, like, yeah, you could say that TLC and Skylar Mays are potentially helpful. I think that's probably true. I think, honestly, those guys are, like, fine Average, maybe a little bit better than that, defenders, but they're not going to change the game defensively. Skylar Mays is limited in size and physic and uh, sorry, in speed. TLC is just okay. He's not going to be. I, mean, I think he's better than Bogdanovich has been. I think he's better than Lou, etc. But he's not going to change the game defensively. So, all that said, they're going to have to get more out of Bogdanovich and Reddish and Herder and even Trey probably defensively to make their uh, team be fixed on the perimeter. I will say this before we move on from this. Um, Capella's got to be better as well. I think that he has not been as good this season, and that, that definitely matters. I've done this whole thing before on the show, so this is not new, but if you're a new listener or not an every-show listener, my general thoughts on this are, you know, Capella's been better the last couple games. That's encouraging. But the Hawks have basically needed him to be Superman this year with how bad the perimeter stuff's been, and he hasn't been quite as good. I think that last year he was one of the five best defenders in the entire NBA. I say that with conviction. He was that good defensively. This year, he's not been that. That is important to note. He's not been that good. I think he's been still like pretty good to good defensively this year. So it's like hard to like clamp down on the guy for being still good defensively. But good versus where he was last year is a drop, and that's worth noting. And I think you know, obviously, everybody knows the fact that Gallinari is pretty terrible at the four. That's not masked. I think when Collins returns from this absence, that'll help the defense as well. Um, Collins is a good defender. He's not going to change the game. He's not, he's not Draymond Green either, but he's a, he, I think he's above average um, at the four for a defender. So having those guys in place definitely helps. Having more Kongwu should help the defense as well. But Gallinari is tough to paper over. So you combine Gallinari with all the perimeter stuff, and that kind of explains the uh, issues. I think that as sort of a final point on the defense, um... This team, on paper, is not good defensively in terms of the personnel that they have. That has always been the case. That was the case last year. This is an offense-first roster. And I think it's worth like taking a step back and just saying, look, Clint Capella was as good as he could possibly be last year defensively, and the Hawks were still like 17th in defense. Uh, that kind of tells you a little bit about what the situation is. Now, Capella, I think, can be better than he's been so far, but this is a team that has to be like 18th defensively instead of 27th defensively. That may not sound like a lot, but the gap between league average or maybe even a little bit below league average and where they are right now is the difference between the Hawks being a top four or five seed in the East and where they are right now in the play-in or the fringe play-in. So that's it. I mean, the offense has been as good as you possibly could have asked it to be. They're top two or three in the league in defense and offensive rating right now. That is all you have to ask them to be. Um, again, the offense without Trey is a whole other issue that we'll tackle on again. I'm sure in the future it's been a topic all, all season long. But overall, the offense has been elite. The defense has been terrible. And that is why the Hawks are not winning more than they are right now. Okay, I hope that answers most of the questions for the defense. I'm sure we'll get more in the future. That's fine. I'll answer them as they come in. But uh, hopefully that's sort of a, a good summary of where we are at this point in time with the Hawks defense. All right, before we move on to the Hawks-Kings preview on Wednesday, a word from our sponsor on the show today, and the first of which is Bilt Bar. It's the new year, and that means New Year's resolutions are in full swing. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in that plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolutions because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it, unlike protein bars and some other corners of the market that can be chalky or waxy. Built Bar tastes fantastic. Sometimes it's just boring to eat healthy, and by week three of eating healthy, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where is the chocolate? But with Built Bar, Every bar is covered in 100% real chocolate. 
Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes on your home or your pantry or in the office or in your car, wherever you might be hiding something sweet. Throw out all that sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's absolutely healthy and tastes incredible with Built Bar. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. And that way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. As always, there are amazing flavors to choose from, from coconut almond to peanut butter brownie, raspberry, salted caramel, milk brownie, and my personal favorite, cookies and cream. And beyond that, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. Check out Built.com often to see what's coming up. And right now, you can go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order with Built Bar. That's Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, 15% off your order at Built.com. Today's show is also sponsored by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march to the College Bowl season and then from there to the pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all of the sports action this season and every season. You can head to the website right now at betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. To get that bonus, use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive 50% in extra cash on your first deposit. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, golf, tennis, and much, much more. In fact, basically everything in the sports world. You can get all of it at betonline.ag and do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for this season and every single season after that. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, so don't wait. Take advantage of the offer that we are giving you right now with promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, we'll close the show this evening with a look at Hawks-Kings on Wednesday. It's a 10 o'clock Eastern time start on Wednesday, so once again, like Monday, uh, get some coffee ready or go to bed early and wake up early to rewatch the game or listen to this podcast, and we'll recap it all for you if you're not able to watch it late. I understand that completely because people have to get up in the morning. I slept for like two hours last night, so uh, that's kind of the nature of the beast when I have to wake up and do uh, work and the day job and the next day. So I get it, but um, a late night episode coming after the game on Wednesday, but the last 10 p.m. So the Kings are on a back-to-back with travel. They actually play in Los Angeles. As I'm speaking right now, they're playing against the Lakers. So I don't know the result of that game. Keep that in mind. But the Kings injury report will not be official for the game against the Hawks until Wednesday afternoon. Um, worth noting that Rashawn Holmes is in the protocol right now, and he is their best center, so that's something to keep an eye on. I'm not sure if he'll be able to come out on Wednesday, but that's a big loss for the Kings if he can't play. At the moment, Sacramento is in the bottom 10 on offense and defense. They're not very good this year. They're dreadful on the defensive glass. For one thing, that's an avenue for the Hawks to create some, some extra chances at the rim. They're a good offensive rebounding team, and they actually get to the line a lot, but that uh, sort of aligns well with the Hawks' defense. So, um, you know, the Kings are guard-driven, to be sure, with De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, etc. Harrison Barnes is a good player. So they have some talent. They're not very good, but they're not, like, in the dregs either with, like, the Pistons or the Rockets or Orlando either. So um, a tough game on the road. Not one that it's unwinnable by any means because the Hawks are probably the better team top to bottom, but you still have to go on the road and on the West Coast, and this is a game that could be kind of a toss-up. Um, more on that because the Hawks' injury report is uh, has it been for a while very busy and uh the one addition that was a surprise on some level on tuesday was that trey young was added to the injury report as questionable with low back soreness um hard to tell how serious that might be he obviously played fantastically on monday with a uh, career best night and he hates to sit out so if he is able to play i'm sure he will play um but all the jokes were made uh naturally on twitter about trey uh, carrying the team on his back on monday and hurting his back as a result um bravo to all of you that made that made that, made that same joke but um yeah i think you know i'm not i'd just be guessing but I, I will always guess trey plays if he is if there's any question at all but we'll see 
That's still big, though. If he's not 100%, that hurts the Hawks. Um, the other guy who is injured and at least questionable right now is Cam Reddish with the ankle sprain. He is listed as questionable. Joe Prenti said that he'll be a game-time decision. He already said that ahead of time, so we probably won't find that out about um, Cam's status until Wednesday evening. Keep that in mind. It's at least mildly concerning that he went from probable um, on the initial injury report from Monday to questionable to out and now back to questionable. So I'm not sure what to make of that. We all will always be guessing on the outside, but the ankle is a little bit uh, tender, it seems like, for Cam still. So keep an eye on that. Um, As of right now on Tuesday, there are still four guys in the protocols for the Hawks. John Collins, Bogdanovich, Gorgie Jang, and Jalen Johnson. So that's two starters plus Gorgie's rotation player. And then Jalen, of course, as the uh, talented rookie, Still out of action for the Hawks. Um, plus, DeAndre Hunter and, and Solomon Hill are still out. Um, the Hawks actually no longer have Cat Barber and Malik Ellison on their roster after the 10-day deals expired for both guys. So they're down to 21 at this moment on the active on the active available roster. That's still way above where you're supposed to be, but that's where we are right now. And uh, between now and Friday, Sean D. Brown's 10-day deal will expire. And uh, he's been the guy who's played the most of the 10-day guys for the Hawks. So that's maybe they'll want to keep him around for another one. We'll see what happens there. But that might also be impacted by if anybody else returns to action between now and Friday. So something could change for sure. As we've seen, like the protocols could just kind of like, you know, flip overnight. So it wouldn't like stun me if any of the four guys who are still in the protocol right now get cleared by Wednesday. But I can't project that either. So you have to assume those four guys will be out and then you also have to at least have some question about Trey and Cam along the way. Um, our friends at Battle Online do not have a line on this game just yet because the Kings are playing right now in Los Angeles. Um, I will say this. If Trey does not play, the Hawks will be underdogs in this game. If Trey does play, I think it'll be kind of a coin flip. You know, the Hawks do have the benefit of a rest advantage because the Kings are playing tonight and traveling, whereas the Hawks are already in Sacramento. That's an advantage for sure. It's probably worth a point or two. Um, but the Hawks are on the road and the Kings will be at home. That's also worth noting. The Hawks are still without John Collins and McDonavich, but mostly Collins is obviously a huge loss there. Whereas the Kings could be without Rashawn Holmes. So it's kind of a net neutral in some respects on the overall like advantages, disadvantages kind of thing. And then you factor in like the Hawks just going on the road to Sacramento. And that means, you know, I think the Hawks are the better team. Their power rate is a better team, but it's a road game. So I, I would project this game as like kind of a coin flip in the betting market if I had to guess right now. Um, maybe the Hawks like minus one or the Hawks plus one or whatever. If Trey plays. If Trey's out, then the Hawks will be underdogs, and that's kind of just the way things go right now for the Hawks. But um, at any rate, I would just say it's a probably a coin flip kind of game. And I thought they should have won on Monday. I said as much before the game and after the game. This is more where, at least right now, it's not quite as clear, but the Hawks need to get a win in the uh, worst way because from here they go to Los Angeles, and while the Lakers and Clippers are not exactly the same teams they were in the last couple of years that were awesome, those are still you know more talented, better teams than the Kings and the Blazers, the Blazers that they lost to on Monday. So a uh, not like you know, not a must win. It's never a must win in January, but a big game I will say for the Hawks to get a, a win on the board if they can on Wednesday evening. All right. After all of that, I am done for the evening on this sort of uh, unforeseen extra podcast. But uh, hopefully you enjoyed that little catch up. And uh, again, I recommend the Travis Schlenk interview in full on 92.9thegame.com. Also, I will have a new podcast after the game on Wednesday into Thursday following Hawks-Kings with all of that breakdown and my thoughts on that game. Please subscribe to the podcast via the platform of your choice, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Leave five-star feedback if you enjoy the podcast. Ratings, reviews, shares, 
tell your friends, tell your family, tell people that you know that enjoy the Hawks. It really does help us. And I know I say it all the time, but I really, 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 really do appreciate all the support. And uh, we're trying to help to grow the podcast. So if you know any Hawks fans in your life that do not know the podcast just yet, it really does a, a lot of good if you just tell them about the show. If they give us a chance, they don't like us. I understand that. But uh, help us spread the word if you can. And also follow me on Twitter at BT Roll and follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. And we'll see you after the game on Wednesday.